And welcome on this Saturday morning to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery on our final episode of the season. Hello, I'm Dan DiOrio along with Ethan Wise. And uh, it has been a fun year. I want to, uh, we're doing it live, by the way. Yeah, uh, we we're are. flying by the seat of their pants. <laughs> the cockpit window is open. That's how crazy this could be, and the wind's flying around. <laughs> uh, but I want to, uh, Ethan, uh, another great season. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy about it. This has been such a, a fun trip, a wild ride, and and something totally different and new that I've really, really fallen in love with doing, and and uh, I look forward to, uh, to, to future endeavors with this. Who knows what's going to come out of the garden next yeah. year? Yeah, exactly. So we'll just have to, stay and we'll tuned be talking to, about it. Yes, uh, and so just stay tuned and see. But uh, uh, Green Thumb from Hair Nursery uh, heard uh, every Saturday all year long, and we thank everyone who listened. Stop by to see you and the yeah. staff there. Yeah, yeah, and and you. I mean, there's gosh. I mean, how many times did you come out when it was beautiful outside? You come in, you'd stroll the yard, we'd figure out what we're talking about, and uh, and people would just recognize your voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'd, they'd hear both of us talking. Yeah, and like, they go, hey, is this the, is the show going on now? <laughs> there's like, like hidden cameras, like yeah. tucked inside hostas. Should we run out, and jump in the car, and turn the radio on? But uh, uh, no, but it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I want to start off with this. We're going to talk a lot about uh, gardening over the winter. Yep. Uh, I my herbs are still stronger than heck. My basil. I did get some flowers on them, but I cut it off. But it's still the the leaves are big, so it shouldn't be too bitter, right? No, no, you're doing way better than I am. I let my basil go to flower. Um, uh, almost at the beginning August. of this month. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it, well, I, I tried. To, I, I tried to prune them back in August a little bit. Yeah, and I just couldn't keep up with it. And and now it's fully. It's like half flower. Yeah. So I think my basil probably tastes disgusting. Yours yeah. is probably just fine. Hopefully okay. <laughs> yes, I think uh, so. And I'm thinking of although I have to find the right window because they do need some decent sun, right? I try to give them at least four hours of direct sunlight in your house if you can. If you're trying to over winter any of your herbs. could it be morning sun oh absolutely they would really like that yeah it's less intense in the morning yeah um but still you want to give it at least four hours if you can even if that, that's broken up if it's like three hours a morning but then where the sun sets it gets a little bit of that afternoon sunlight that'll make it very happy now digging them out because i've got one of those uh, outside my back porch one of those standing box yep. uh, uh, uh contraptions um, taking them out and planting them into a container. I got that. I got oregano. I got a bunch of stuff. Thyme. Uh, is that difficult to do? Will it shock them? It'll probably shock them. That's why I recommend giving them a, a good six-inch pot if you can. Okay. Um, and so don't give them a little dinky four-inch pot yes. uh, because that'll be chopping off too much of their roots. Right. So look for a nice six-inch. So you want to keep inch. that root ball intact, so dig gently around them. And yes. Then, and then give them some room and just some good potting soil. And they'll be happy. Okay. Yep. I, I, you, you can put a little bit of fertilizer in there, like a granular, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't recommend over the winter months doing an extreme fertilizer regiment like miracle Grow. How about a uh, root stimulator? You could do root stimulator, especially after transplant shock. Yeah, yeah. Once planted, don't put root stimulator okay. on it. So for a lot of people who have herbs and want to overwinter them, mm -hmm. some are pretty good about it. I know people who chase the sun. They'll put it in this window for a couple hours and then in the afternoon yeah. move it over there. Hey, if you're if you're going to be good about doing that, then that is excellent. Uh, yeah. Kudos to anyone who has um, who, who, who can do that. I always, I, I never remember to do that myself. Yeah. I, I pretty much, it gets a home and then that's where it stays. Yeah. 
Because uh, I, I like having fresh herbs, and then uh, you know people who are successful then to go back and plant them back in that outdoor box. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. My mom's done it successfully a few years. Yeah. And like I said, I'm, I, you know, I talk about her a lot on the show because I live vicariously through her garden. Not always do we do the same thing. She has a very different garden than I do, mm-hmm. and that's what's kind of great is I get to see what she's growing mm-hmm. and then know how it actually do, uh, grows well since I'm not growing exactly what she so is. So your garden, have you wrapped it up? Do you pull your tomato plant? out what do you do my tomato plants because they're still going um not not quickly but i am still getting some color change on some of them so i'm still letting them go for right now i figured i got another solid week maybe week and a half before it's time to just yank them and throw them in the compost pile yeah um and and again this is a tip if you're a new gardener Mm -hmm. uh one of the tips is to um uh Take those tomatoes and put them in a, if they're greenish, Mm -hmm. put them in a brown paper bag. Can you put more than one in? Oh, yeah. Put a whole bunch of them. Fill up the brown paper bag. Put them on your kitchen counter. Kind of slightly close up that that bag. The gases they release will help turn each other. Um, And and also, if you wanted to, you could also stick a banana um, in that bag with them. That'll help them turn quicker. Just make sure you... You do it quickly. Don't leave the. Don't walk away for three days with that banana in there because then those tomatoes will overripen. Yeah, I um, I never knew this, but um, and we're getting a little off track here. But I used to put uh, some. Uh, I have crates in a, a open up pantry, and mm-hmm. I used to put onions and potatoes next to each other and like no they turn each other rotten very quickly yeah i didn't realize that in fact speaking of that uh, kind of going down this uh the the little uh sidetrack uh someone had told me for saving guacamole yeah put an onion in with the guacamole and so if anyone's making any fresh guacamole yeah. uh, unfortunately probably very few of you probably were able to grow your own avocados here in illinois but uh if you were able to find one of those funky plants and have one you want to make your own guacamole i had always learned sprinkle some lemon or lime some citrus yeah. on the top of it and then you put the cellophane right on top of it yeah. but this person told me it swears by putting an onion in with your guacamole to stop it from turning one brown. of those old timers so keep onions away from your potatoes yeah. put it in your guacamole yeah. so, <laughs> All right, and I'm going to start off with this, too, the great Christmas tree shortage. Yes. I know in California they are having a tough time because they get their trees from northern California and Oregon, and the fires and the drought yeah. killed a lot of those trees. Where is our Christmas tree shortage coming from, Wisconsin? So, yeah, up north. And what happened up north, Michigan, uh, the northern half of Wisconsin, there was a late frost, a late frost that happened around Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And what that did is it burned the new growth on those trees. Uh-huh. And what, and then I think uh, we didn't find out uh, from our vendor until the end of July. So, unfortunately, several months after this late frost happened is when we found out from our vendor, oh, no, I can't get you trees. And I, my theory is is that they were trying and hoping that they were going to be able to push new growth out of those trees. Yep. And when that didn't happen, they had to call it and just say, you know what, we're not going to be able to provide. And uh, what it did is it wasn't just us. It was a, a Michigan mass- too. Michigan as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, especially the northern half of of Michigan, and because northern Michigan and northern Wisconsin, there are so many dozens and dozens and dozens of evergreen farms, and they all got hit. That's 
that's thousands of trees that aren't hitting the market. The great and, Christmas tree shortage. And unfortunately, um, we were one of those those stores. We didn't find out until the end of July yeah. that our vendor wasn't going to be able to supply us with Christmas trees. And so that meant that uh, the whole month of August, uh, me and one of my coworkers, several of my coworkers, are just calling everyone we can think of to get trees. Yeah. And everyone was telling us the same exact thing. No one has trees. No okay. one has trees. Yeah, you even said, and we won't name the store, but mm-hmm. one of the major chains around here, they're going to have a very limited supply. Oh, yeah. For the, the whole company um, in, in all the states that it's in was only able to get a few hundred uh, trees. So, I mean, wow. that's 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 showing how crazy and how short. So, fires in the West, cold damage up North, and then a few years ago, about five or six years ago, there was diseases out in the East. There was a fungal pathogen that was wiping out quite a few of the Fraser firs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of this tied together, and now here, and, and a Fraser tree yeah. is at least an eight to ten year crop before it's a sellable Christmas tree. Wow. You know what's going to happen? Economics? Everyone's going to go out and buy permanent trees. I know. It's going to happen again. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's... They're trees that uh they were for a while the the faux trees were kind of losing their their luster and now they're probably going to build well, up all kinds. I want to buy one. I haven't priced it, but a permanent white flocked tree. Ooh, that'll be nice with blue. The big blue uh, ornaments and yeah. blue lighting. That's but you're those. a Bradley guy, don't you want to have red I'm, ornaments in there? I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, no, I actually, I went to, uh, I graduated from SIU, so I need little dogs. There you go, little <laughs> dogs. <laughs> all right, uh, all but you're getting fresh greens in. So if yes. if you can't find a Christmas tree this year and you want that smell. Mm-hmm. I like hanging a fresh wreath above the uh, fireplace. Oh, yeah. That way that smell comes in. Or garland. You know, you could put like a nice strip of garland above your fireplace mantle. Yes. Uh, and how long does that last? Does that dry? Inside your house, it's probably going to dry out. So what Do I you recommend. Mist it? So you can, yes. recommend. I recommend misting. Um, or even if you can, like if you have like a small little wreath or uh, that doesn't have like a bow and, and, uh, and all kinds of other stuff on it, uh, you can just like submerge it in cold water. Yeah. The other thing, there's a product called Wilt Proof or Wilt Stop. Wilt Proof, P-R-U-F, and then Wilt Stop. And both of those products are natural products that you spray on your evergreens, your cut evergreens. Mm Mm-hmm. And it helps retain moisture in them. So if you're going to keep any of your fresh cut greens inside your house. Yes. I highly recommend using a product like Wilt Proof or Wilt Stop. The nice thing about those products, too, is they tend, if you get it concentrated, it's a little expensive, but it never expires. You know, I thought about cleaning out, because I got that big ash tree and some other maples, cleaning Mm. out uh, all the leaves in my my perennial beds around my hostas and everything else. And an old-timer said, oh, I just keep them. It's a blanket all year. Mm -hmm. The leaves will then kind of uh, compost into the soil and then in the spring you blow it out. So, yeah. That's what what I kind of grew up uh, learning how to do uh, overwintering in the perennial garden Mm -hmm. is just, uh, or hostas, is that once you cut your hostas back, Mm -hmm. you pack a bunch of leaves on them. Now, it might not be as necessary because most hostas tend to be relatively hardy, Mm -hmm. but if you have any tender perennials, absolutely. 
quickly. Not only are they going, those leaves going to essentially act as a mulch and insulate them, yeah. but they are slowly going to break down, like you said, and just releasing... It's good compost. Exactly. Releasing nutrients. soil, especially if you have clay. Mm-hmm. And then come spring, if you don't get them out early enough, yeah. it's a nice cover for earthworms. Earthworms like to come up to that and, yeah. and break down the leaves, yeah. and earthworms are excellent ways to Aeration. kind of... Exactly, for yeah. around your, your brand new plant coming up in spring. Uh, I don't cut back my hostas. I just let them slump over. Is that okay? I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, well, this is what I did. Um, all I did was I took my weed whacker to them yeah. when it was time, just near, and I left all the cuttings there. Yeah. Because uh, under the same pretense of, of it's compost. Yeah. That's good nutrition that's eventually going to break down, and I haven't had a problem with it since. And then you just throw your spring mulch on top of that, and exactly. you already have a barrier for a lot of those weed, uh, weeds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that's a natural way to do things. Uh, we're going to shift, too, to uh, uh, indoor planting and uh, give you a last tip on pruning coming up. Uh, we've got about four minutes before the break. Um, you have, of course, we have Steve the plant, <laughs> uh, who is a Sansevieria. It's a form. It's a snake plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky, and Ricky, Ricky same thing. Uh, who we rehabbed. Yep. Ricky Dose. And we just took a lobby. look at him this yeah. morning. He's got two new pieces of growth on him. So yeah. he had two little sections, and both of them have new growth. He came back from rehab. He, he actually uh, spent about three weeks in Mexico, just <laughs> kind of rehabbing at a resort, and, and he came back looking great. And so, so yeah, uh, uh, kind of tip to the wise. Uh, yeah. Three weeks in Mexico is all you need to kind of get back on track. <laughs> and we have a new plant here. Now, this is a very interesting, this is another snake plant, a Sansevieria, mm-hmm. that weaves its way around each other. What What kind of... A, so this is a cylindrica, um, and so it's it's uh, kind of similar to Ricky. Um, if anyone was following on the the Greg and Dan Facebook page, mm-hmm. um, they got a chance to see what Ricky looked like in yeah. a very very thin. It's not your traditional snake plant. No, it's a very, th- I like it because it's very unusual. It's round. Yeah, it has rounded. So that's hence the the species name cylindrica. Is it has a rounded leaf to it instead of that flat tongue-like leaf mm-hmm. um, and this one has been um, braided itself so this one was manually braided oh okay um, so you as as it developed you guys did that or yes yeah. yep so as it was kind of young and 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 kind of the new growth coming up you just kind of you you force the braid on there can I continue to do that as you absolutely grows? can in yeah. fact before I brought it over I had just taken the tie off here yeah um, and so you can let it continue to or you can kind of let it kind of get its own little poofy top here yeah, yeah. a little a little does it little, flower at all does Sansevieria does flower, and in fact, uh, my wife actually has a Sansevieria in her room at our house right now um, that is starting to put off a flower. And and quick funny story here, uh, since we got a couple minutes, uh, the first time I saw a Sansevieria flower, firstly, it's not the most attractive flower. It looks like a weed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at Hair Nursery, and I think it was my first year at Hair Nursery, and I had never seen a Sansevieria flower in all the years I had had one. Now, not to say like I've been a gardener for decades and decades. I've only been a professional horticulturist, Mm -hmm. you know, for less than a decade. Uh, But don't get me wrong. I I love it. And it's my passion. But I had no idea that that plant flowered the way that it did. And so here's this Sansevieria that flowers. And it's a rather rare experience. Mm -hmm. And I see it in the cove, which is where we keep our house plants. And I walk by and I immediately think, ew, gross, that's a weed. And I grab it and I yank the flower out of the pot. Mm -hmm. And immediately two of my coworkers go, Ethan, what did you do? And I was like, I was pulling the weeds out of there. Like, that was the 
the flower. And I was like, no, it wasn't. Sansa Verity doesn't flower. And they were like, no, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was my first experience with a Sansa Verity flower was yanking it out of the pot. So now I have a much better understanding, and they do flower, and it's this interesting spike um, that'll kind of grow off out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And then it has this little, it's a, just a, a thin a thin little raceme that has these white little flowers on it. And like I said, it's not the most attractive looking flower, but it's pretty funky. Um, we're going to get into um, houseplants. Uh, what does flower? I want to know what houseplants flower. Okay. Uh, office plants, too. You know, there was a study out that people are more productive yeah. when, they, when they're surrounded by plants in their office. Do you feel that way with Steve? Oh, yeah. He's, he's our buddy. <laughs> uh, so we haven't named this yet uh, because it is a snake plant. And going back to Harry Potter, I was thinking of naming it uh, Severus. I like that. After Severus Snape, uh, Snape of Slytherin. Uh, but Snape. I don't think Snape would be a good name. Snape, maybe we'll call it Snape. Snape the Snake Plant. I don't think Greg will like that. He doesn't like unusual names because we got <laughs> Steve, Ricky, and then Snape will throw everything off. But we'll name it on Monday. Let's get into real quick uh, pruning because mm-hmm. uh, I have heard if you're going to prune trees, really the best time to do it is in the dead of winter uh, when you want to do some major pruning, or now that it's cooler. Uh, because uh, you want to make sure that that heals up. Yes. And if in the summer, bugs can get in, disease can come around. So uh, now, November, December, you can be outside when it's cold, mm-hmm. pruning your trees, do the heavy pruning, correct? Yes. Uh, that's what I usually tell people. Is if you're planning on pruning uh any large branches on your tree, anything that's bigger than like a three to four inch diameter, mm-hmm. if you can wait, you should you should try to wait until the leaves are off the tree. That is the best time to prune large branches or to do any serious pruning. You have to remove upwards of 25, 30% of the tree, and it wasn't dire to do that over the summer. Uh, pretty close to getting to the time to do that. So wait until your tree has dropped its leaves or at least all the leaves on the tree are brown. There are some trees that hold on to their leaves longer. Um, you know, there's ornamental pear trees that can hold on to their leaves for a while. Oak trees can hold on to their trees for a while or their leaves for a while. So at the very least, wait until a majority, if not all of those leaves are brown, if they don't fall off. And that's when you can start doing some pruning. And last show, you had asked uh, a really good question. How far back do you take that prune? Yeah, I don't know where to cut it. So essentially what you want to look for is on a large branch. So no 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 large established branch goes straight perpendicular into an existing branch. Mm-hmm. There's always this little flare that kind of shows up. And collar? I, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a and collar. it's usually about, what, three, four inches away from the tree? Uh, it's, it's, it's actually probably a little bit closer, maybe about an inch or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so right above the bigger branch. So if you're taking uh, a smaller branch and you want to cut it back to a larger existing branch you want to cut it just above that collar and it's this tiny little flare that kind of shows at the base of that branch that you're wanting to prune and you will take that prune right to about that collar and that's enough space to allow for that tree to continue to heal and it'll eventually kind of create this this softer uh, different looking scar tissue in a circle around that branch and eventually work its way and close to the center of that branch and the reason you and I heard some people do it in the dead of winter, December, January, mm-hmm. once it freezes. Yeah. That's when they do it because that's an open wound. Exactly. Now, the old timers used to put tar on it. You don't need to do that. You don't have to put tar on it anymore. In fact, there's been some studies that show that that can, that can slow down or inhibit the natural healing process of that. Mm-hmm. Also, 
if whatever you were using to apply that tar wasn't clean yeah. or if there happened to be something on your tool that you cut or just something that landed on the tree right after you made the prune and then you put tar on it, you're sealing that in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you don't have to put tar on it. Uh, and, and the reason you like it in the dead of winter, it is an open wound and bugs and fungus can get in there. And exactly. And that's not happening in the winter. Right? And that's why I always warn people, don't prune or heavily prune your oak trees in the summer because they're highly susceptible to fungal infections. There's sudden oak death, there's oak wilt. Um, and uh, I, I think both of those don't really have a cure for that if they get Get that and the way that they get them is when they're heavily pruned during the growing season and that's exactly right because of fungal infections or insects that same get with to maples them. people have a lot of maples around here yep and maples now the nice thing about maples is you can do some moderate pruning during the summer months they're not as finicky but i still uh, think that the best time to prune your maple is in dormancy birch Birch, dormancy. Yeah. Uh, birch is also a little bit more forgiving. Those faster growing, thinner bark trees like red maples and birches mm -hmm. tend to be a little bit more forgiving to, yeah. and being able to plant or prune them a little bit during the summer because they grow so fast, they can also heal much faster, mm -hmm. unlike certain oak varieties. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, they, they make for excellent uh, uh, waiting to prune. Also, pruning your birch back in winter is nice because then you can use those really nice yes. uh, branches for some of your uh, Christmas or holiday displays in your in your porch pots yeah uh, well, and i have it uh, uh birch because i do have some birch sitting mm -hmm. in a little pot next to my fireplace it looks nice it looks wonderful it's like a really nice aesthetic even if you never use it for firewood right, yeah. it looks really good yeah. as potential firewood okay uh let's turn to house plants uh if you like really like gardening now the great thing about house plants is you don't have to go out every day yeah. uh you only water maybe once every three weeks to a month. Mm -hmm. What are some good house plants? Now, I know the easy ones, philodendron. You can't yeah, kill those things. Exactly. Uh, it, mine grows like crazy. I take the leftover plastic water bottles, what's got a little bit at the bottom, and I just put them in my philodendron. Yep. And it has taken over my couch. And, yeah. And actually, I grabbed my channel changer the other day and turned on uh, uh, HGTV. <laughs> so. Uh, looking for other plants. I was yes. like, why oh, yeah. don't you get that plant and yeah. bring it in here, Dan? <laughs> But what are some good, easy, and, and can you get some flowering houseplants? There are some. It's going to, so this time of year, in fact, uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll be getting some of our Christmas uh, or holiday-themed houseplants in. So we'll have uh, some calanchos in, which is a flowering houseplant. In fact, we still have quite a few of them mm -hmm. um, in the store that are currently flowering now, yellow, orange, and pink. And so it's calancho. It's related to jade, and that is a plant that you can usually get to flower, oh gosh, three four times a year in your house and the flowers can last for two to four weeks at a time. Now do they need sun for that? Yes. So that's the catch is any of your house plants that would flower more often than not are going to need several hours of sunlight mm -hmm. in order to stimulate them to be able to do that. And ideally, morning sun. You get more blue lights in the morning sun, oh, and that okay. blue light is what stimulates floral production. Mm -hmm. Whereas the red light that you get in the evening when the sun is, is uh, when it's hotter outside, um, Stimulates a little bit more of the of the green production, the 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 leaf production. Mm -hmm. So just something to consider. I never knew that. There's something. Uh, it's the second year of doing the this end show. of the season, second season, and we're talking about blue and red lights. I <laughs> never knew about that. But morning sun. I know a lot of my plants like that morning mm -hmm. sun. Or if you're if you're really uh, into house plants, you know, get yourself a nice full spectrum LED light. Full spectrum meaning it's going to touch on a little bit of all the different colors of the light. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're going to get true white light, which has a little bit of everything. Uh, 
and it's LED. So a they're you know probably forty dollars for a nice four foot strip, um, and and you're not going to spend a lot of money on energy, and that'll provide your plants a nice chunk of light. I have never gotten my Christmas cactus to rebloom. Oh, okay, I got some tips for you. Okay. Um, so uh, it's been trial and error, and, and I'm not going to act like I get my Christmas cactus to flower every single year, but more often than not, this is what I do. Um, and more, I should say, more often than not, this is what works, and this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And so around mid-October to Halloween, so pretty much now, mm-hmm. move your Christmas cactus away from the light. So put it in a, a darker, uh, less lit area. Mm-hmm. Don't water it as much. So whatever you've been watering it, mm-hmm. cut it down. If you've been watering it twice a month, water it once a month. If you've been watering it three times a month, water it twice a month. Um, so whatever your watering routine has been, reduce it just a hair. And what that's going to do is it's going to slightly stress your plant out. And I know that sounds stressful to people listening. They're like, I don't want to stress my plant out. But that stress is what encourages the flower. The flower on a plant is a is a sign of of it trying to survive. And and we, um, you know, I'm not trying to put you know like a weird kind of connotation on flowers, but that's really what a flower is. A flower is survival for that plant. Uh, it's it's letting the world know as far as insect and pollinators, hey, I need you to take something from me so yeah. that I can survive. Or a flower is also an attempt to produce to produce a fruit, and that fruit, of course, being how that plant could survive in case the scion above ground dies. Okay, so the pollen, excuse me, the pollinator helps the plant, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you have an indoor flowering uh, plant like a Christmas cactus, mm-hmm. is there anything then you could add into the soil to to simulate what it would get from a pollinator? Unfortunately not. And that's why it's tough for them to flower. It is a little bit tougher for some of your houseplants to flower because, yeah, they don't have what's provided in nature. They don't have that wind to help yeah. kind of pass pollen to pollen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't expect people to go there with a Q-tip yeah. and, and going into each flower. Or a little fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but you shouldn't have to worry about that. But uh, with regards to getting, um, you don't want like your, your I, don't, I don't think you want your, your cactus to, to fruit. Um, but, so just so you know, this is what I do. Take your Christmas cactus away from the light right about now, mm-hmm. um, or at least by middle of November if you can. Get it away from the light. Um, I'm not saying like put it in a dark corner or your closet. I'm just saying don't put it next to a sunny window if that's where you have it. How about a, a window that just has natural light and no sun? Perfect. Yeah. Um, and then water it less, and you will start to notice, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, some little flower buds that will start to develop on the tip of those cacti. I love getting those Christmas cactuses mm-hmm. when they're flowering, and then you bring them home, and like, that's it? Yep. I don't know, no more flowers? The next thing to do, too, don't fertilize it now. You like you really want to emphasize on the stress, stress of the plant. Yeah. But then come next season, after it's done flowering, come yeah. next spring, yeah. give it a nice fertilizer boost. So what Ethan's saying, almost kill it, and it'll yes. flower. <laughs> You want to show the plant who's boss, really, right, is what yeah. you're looking for. Other flowering houseplants? So it's it's uh, it's hard to to get like true. Like I said, the, there's the calancho, mm-hmm. um, there's the Christmas cactus. Uh, sometimes, if you have like a um, uh, not a geranium, but a, oh gosh, I'm having a brain fart now. It starts with a B. Um, begonia. Begonia. Oh my gosh, thank those, you. Now those I have seen at shops in the window, and those seem to bloom all year. Yeah, yeah. If you have a nice sunny window for your, but not like full sun, but like a good just indirect light or mm-hmm. a bright light throughout the day, you could probably keep your begonia flowering 
sporadically throughout the season. And then just pull it outside in a porch spot and then bring it back in. Yep. Because wow. that's a nice color. I really like it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different coloring begonias. Do you have any in stock right now? Uh, yeah. No, no. I think if we have any, they're probably in our back house overwintering at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think we have any. Uh, but that's one thing to remember. Yes. Okay. Other things that give you color, one of them uh, I recommend nobody getting. You and I talk about them. It's that waxy tropical the, flower. The croton. The croton. Yeah, the yeah. Croton. 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 It's just every time I get it, my croton just drops leaves and and, and it's it's that uh, you see it on a lot of shows in the South, mm-hmm. NCIS New Orleans. It's yes. that really bright, multicolored, waxy leaves. Yes, oranges and yellows and greens. But it, I, it, has anyone ever had success with those? Very few people inside the house. Outside, beautiful. I yeah. have one outside my house in my fall yeah. porch pot right now, and it looks beautiful. And so, and they're great to plant now so if you're looking for a nice pop of color for your fall porch pots you could still stick a croton in that but inside your house they just they like humidity yeah and you cannot unless you have a humidifier right next to it yeah it's so difficult to mimic the humidity that it wants inside your house so pretty much all you're going to get after three weeks of it being in your house is a stick with like a little bit of leaves on the top of it is there um any like do they make little humidifiers that just spray in a certain i area? bet you could find like <laughs> yeah. a little like a, yeah. a desktop humidifier right. they probably make something like that a little desktop humidifier for yeah. people who get like dry noses during this time of year that they right. can keep by their bed something worth looking into yeah. if not uh, this is our idea folks so i'm sorry if you if you make this idea dan and i want royalties yeah. um and so if you make a tabletop humidifier for plants you just remember uh remember yeah. us uh you heard it from us um other things house plants year round that give you some color so uh, I love succulents. So as you know, right. I love succulents and cacti, and there's so many funky varieties of and them. And not all succulents and cacti need direct light, do they? Exactly. Many of them can handle very shady areas. Mm-hmm. I have some in my north-facing part of my house that are doing just fine. And they look fantastic because oh. they're just crazy looking. Yeah, yeah. If it was easier for me to bring some in, I would have shown you some of my... Yeah. I just like couldn't leave the house with my arms oh, full of plants got, like, to come here to the studio. A couple dozen, don't you? Uh, more than that. Oh. I, I got yeah. a lot of different ones, and, and I, I've, I've always enjoyed um, working with cacti and succulents. And you can get some really interesting colors of oranges and reds really? and yellows on your cactus. I have a few cacti um, that are related to prickly pear cactus. Um, they're, they're a cylindrical version of the, the flat paddle prickly pears, and they have a really nice, bright, the new growth on them is this bright orange yellow. Um, and uh, I have lots of different small succulents similar to aloes. There's lots of different colorful aloe plants. Mm-hmm. White aloe plants, pink really? aloe plants, uh huh, and um, purple uh, aloes. And what's great about uh, having aloe around the house? If you get in a bar fight and get cut, you can just bam, take the just aloe a little bit of aloe right there. Yeah. If you get a sunburn in in July, or burn your finger on a pot. Yeah, it works. It works really well. In fact, that's what I use it for. Mm-hmm. Is whenever I have a leaf on my aloe plant that just starts to kind of bend and fall down, yeah. I just snip it off. I hold it, and it can stay preserved on my kitchen counter for a month yeah. um, before I use it. It's, it's great stuff. But it is good for burns. It is. It's I know great a lot for of burns. people when they get the. So if you if you have an aloe plant, you go to Florida, you come back, you're burnt. You just use the aloe. Yep. It yeah. works really well. It worked. I think it worked better than the aloe that you'll buy from a store because there's like alcohol and other chemicals in that. Mm-hmm. But using just a straight aloe on my sunburns this year, yeah. it was amazing. In two days, they were cleared up. 
Uh, office plants. There are a lot of plants you can have for your office. That well, don't you said philodendrons, and oh. there's a lot of philodendrons that have beautiful color. I have an imperial red one, so the new growth comes out this burgundy red color really? before it turns green. Because mine's just the old stale green. Sure. Well, that's not a bad one. No. Uh, you know, and, and I have that too. Because you can't kill it. That's true. And yeah. I have another philodendron, a pothos, that's yellow and green. I have one that's white and green. Oh. So there are other pothos philodendron options that you can get with different variations of color. Like I said, I have a, a bush form of philodendron. That's the imperial red. I also have one called a birkin, um, which you can find a little bit more commonly now. It was, the, it was a very rare plant a few years ago, but it's it's uh, uh, making its, its comeback in the wholesale market. Uh, and the new growth comes out white and green striped. It's really cool. I'll have to send you a picture of and it. Succulents are great for office because they can uh, just take uh, fluorescent lights or... Aloe, Haworthia, Gasteria, uh, most cacti all make excellent desk plants or office plants. All right, we have one minute left, and I want to wrap it up again. First of all, congratulations on your marriage. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it it finally happened after uh, uh, seven and a half years, although we were planning on getting married last year, but with COVID, we didn't want to. So, uh, again, I want to thank everyone uh, for listening uh, all season long, the last two seasons. Stay tuned. You never know what's going to come out of the garden next year. Exactly. So uh, seeds have been planted. Let me put it that way. But it has been a lot of fun. Uh, This has been a great exchange. I know a lot of people love sitting around and getting all these tips. Remember, Mm -hmm. blue light in the morning, red light in the afternoon. Just learn that. (laughs) So for everyone, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned. Uh, We'll see what pops up out of the garden in the spring. For Ethan Wise, I'm Dan DiOrio. Thanks for our final show this season of Green Thumb from Hair Nursery.